0: I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Praise God, praise God. We well, all are starting to get excited today, and, uh, but you're going to have to do even better than that, um, because I can tell you this, that um, this message, um, do, do you want me to be honest or do you want me to say the church thing? Um, what do you all want? Do you all? Okay. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know how we were going to be today, if we were going to try to be churchy, if we were going to be real. So, um, okay, so, uh, so here's the real. Um, this message has been a struggle for me, and, and I don't know why, because um, I'm never short on things to say, ever. And, um, and this is an easy topic, right? You know, when, when this topic was given to me, um, and a uh, pastor said, I, I want you to do... Uh, weeks three and and four of our love series, um, I thought, well, that's well, that's easy. There's a lot to talk about love, and um, so I had some ideas and had some thoughts, and it just wasn't working. It just wasn't coming together, and um, so these last couple of weeks have been pretty hectic for me, and in a lot of different ways, and um, and we're getting ready for birthday month, and stuff is happening here at the church, and then we had some. Uh, we had some major issues as far as our um, media and stuff goes this week here, and um, so that took up a lot of time. and And I have to say that um, that I just I don't know if it was that I was having trouble clearing my mind and focusing on what God was saying or what, but I just was not getting where I needed to go. And um, about Thursday midday. Um, it just all started clicking, and it all started coming together. And um, and I can tell you this that what God has for us the next two weeks is is big time. I mean, this is this is fire stuff, and um, it, it, it really um, it, it's stuff that is, is for such a time as right now um, in our society, in our culture. It's things that are are extremely um, extremely relevant. And how do we operate and live in the world around us according to the mandate of love that God has called us to? And so um, I'm, I'm excited because I, I know what, what it took me to get here. And so, what that tells me is that there, is, uh, that, that, that there was a, a force of darkness that didn't want me to bring this light. And um, but we're here and we're going to bring something that I I fully, fully believe is going to make a huge difference in your life and the way that we react to other people um, and and the way that we operate as Christians in the world. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. So you guys are going to have to come with me. Um, I'm doing something I've never done before today. We've got two messages in one. So buckle up. Two hours, three hours. Don't know how long it's going to take. Um, I'm kidding. You guys okay? Sherry laughed. Um, I heard maybe a couple other chuckles. The uh, the rest of you were like, oh my gosh, is he serious? Like, do we need a door dash? Or like, because I'm already a little hungry. Amen. So we've got got about 35 minutes, all right? So here we go. Have you guys ever... uh, and the bridge is staying in here today. The bridge is staying in once a month with us um, because we're, the bridge is uh, our 4th through 6th grade. And the idea of the bridge is getting you ready for, for youth. And um, so one service a month, bridge is going to hang out with us in here. And that way you get a little taste that it's not all that bad, right? It's not that terrible, sitting with your parents, hanging out a little bit, um, and getting, uh, getting a good dose of what God has for us. Amen? right okay all right so um do do you guys ever have you ever gone to a restaurant and you get like really terrible service um I don't know that I need you to raise your hand I definitely don't need you to tell me what restaurant it was um or anything like that or if it was this weekend or not um I, I don't know but um so Tiffany and I were in Lubbock um I think the kids were with us I don't remember and um so we're in Lubbock, and uh, we're having breakfast in one of our favorite places to have breakfast in Lubbock, and um, we have this, this uh, waitress that is terrible. Um, and so we find out that, I mean, she's struggling. She looks like she's just so overwhelmed with this situation. And, um, I mean, we're being nice, we're being polite, and, um, but she is struggling. And then, like, one of the other one of the other uh, ladies came over and helped her a little bit and stuff, she was super young, and um, when we left, um, I just, I, I felt impressed, and Tiffany did too, and we, we're just kind of on this wavelength, um, to, to give her a really big tip. How many of you still tip good, even if it's terrible service? I don't want you to raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, you can, <laughs> you can, but I just, I, I want to give you a little bit of perspective. Aren't you glad, I mean maybe you are in food service um, and, and, and you are wait staff. but if you're not, aren't you glad that your paycheck doesn't depend on your worst day? Okay, so um, I, I always try to, I, I tip good no matter what. And, um, and sometimes if I have a terrible experience I try to tip better. Um, and so this time, I just, I felt really impressed. Um, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit was tugging on my heart, honestly. And um, I, I think our bill was like $30 or something like that. It wasn't expensive. Um, we left this, this waitress a $100 tip. And when we did, the, uh, the lady at the front where we were checking out, she goes, wait, are you serious? Like, do you want to do that? She knew that she was struggling too. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. And the lady that was at the front, she's one of the owners of the restaurant, and um, She goes, well, I'll tell her thank you. I said, look, I know that she's having a tough day today, um, and she feels a little overwhelmed, but I feel like she needs a little encouragement um, because I want her to work for you for a long time and to be really good for you. And I really feel like that sometimes we just need a little grace because we have been shown a lot of grace. Amen? We've been shown a lot of grace. I mean, if you think back, I want you to to just do a little inventory. I don't normally do things like this, but I want you to do a little inventory of your life and think about some of the things that you've done that you don't deserve grace for. Right? If we were to make a list, maybe we open up a mic right here and we have open mic night at Word of Life and I want you to come up and talk about the stupid stuff that you've done in your life. (laughs) definitely do DoorDash, right? I'm telling you that if we were to be judged in heaven by our worst day, then none of us would be sitting in this room right now. The way that we've treated other people, the way that we've treated those that we love, the way that we treated God, but we aren't judged by our worst day we're judged by the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that you've given us your word and that your word is spirit to us and it's life to us. God, we thank you that as we open up the pages of the scripture, that you've given the Holy Spirit to us to lead us and guide us into all truth. And so we ask you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work. And speak to our hearts today. God, I pray that my speaking and my preaching not be of words of man's wisdom, but it be with the demonstration of the spirit and power that no one's faith will stand in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of God. We give you thanks and praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. We're going to hang out in Ephesians 4 for a little bit today, quite a while for part 1 of the message. All right? Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1. It says, Therefore I, meaning Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I want you to say, I have been called by God. Called by God. He says, I want you to live a life worthy of your calling, because you have been called by God. Live worthy, live up to the standard of that which you've been called, because every single one of us, as a child of God, have been called to something bigger than us. We've been called bigger than what been called to something bigger than what's just on the, the surface. We've been called to impact the world around us. We play a vital role in the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise God, every single one of us. And there's no job that is more important or less important than any other job. And so you may say, well, well, Pastor Jason, I don't know if I believe that because you're standing up there and you're talking to us. No, my job, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, is to equip you to go out and to do the work. That's my job. But my job's not more important than your job because you've got to go out and do the work. And if I'm not doing mine, you can't do yours. But if you're not doing yours, I can't do mine. And so every role is vitally important. That every one of us walk worthy of the calling. Now when it's saying worthy, he's not saying there that every one of you walk in perfection because you've been called. What he's saying is all of you recognize and work towards the standard of what God has called you to do. I want you to understand that God's calling is bigger than you to begin with, and so you can't reach it on your own, and so every one of us, as we strive, we're saying, God, I can't do this alone, I don't care what the calling is, God, I can't do this alone, I'm weak, but I'm excited that your strength is made perfect in my weakness, amen? Praise God. And I can accomplish what you called me to accomplish, not because I'm worthy, but because Jesus is worthy. And Jesus is in me. Every one of you walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Look at this. Always be humble. Always be humble. 100% of the time, be humble. What we're going in and we're saying Is I need Jesus it's not about me I need Jesus be humble and be gentle everybody say be gentle that's a really important one that's not an exciting one that's not one you're going to shout about and run around the room because you got the Holy Ghost it's be gentle everybody be gentle we are really good at being abrasive sometimes Especially when we're behind the the safety net of our our phone screen, right? Okay. Um, But it says, always be humble and be gentle. And this is in the, I think it's in the New Living Translation. No, it's in the New International Version. But check this out. It says, be patient with one another. That's a good one, right? We could stop there for a little bit, but we're not. Be patient with one another making allowances for each other's faults. Why? Because of your love. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Are you getting that right now? Be patient with one another and make allowances. How many of us have like a really short fuse? And maybe our our, our fuse is even shorter nowadays, right? Right? It's like our fuse is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter because we look around and so many weird things are happening. And so we're not making allowance. Aren't you glad that God made allowance for your faults? I am so glad that God doesn't have a short fuse with me. And because of my love, the Bible tells us, as pastors talked about the last couple of weeks, that God is love right? The very end of that passage in 1 Corinthians 13, the pastor's been preaching out of, says God is love. And love never fails. and That's what it says. It doesn't say God is love. That's in 1 John. But it says love never fails. And if God is love and love never fails, then we serve a perfect God that is always there and His faithfulness continues throughout every generation. God is love and love never fails. And if that love is in us, then we ought to be patient with one another and allowing for their faults because of our love. That's the nature of God in us. It says, make every effort to keep yourself united. Say united. united. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, I want you to ask yourself this. Is the message that you see coming out of most Christians, one that is uniting people together in peace? That's binding us together. Are we allowing for each other's faults because of our love? Or are we quick to be judgmental? Are we... Dividing because of our rhetoric? Are we exhibiting the nature of God? Or are we more concerned with our cause than the person? Today we're going to talk about what it means to speak the truth in love. Because that word is thrown around, that phrase is thrown around all the time. Well, I'm just I'm speaking the truth in love. But that phrase is in the context of unity in the scripture. This passage, it goes on to say, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Let's skip down in Ephesians 4 to to verse 11. And then it says, so Christ himself, he gave the apostles, He gave the prophets, He gave the evangelists, He gave the pastors and the teachers. Sometimes in churchy words you would hear that called the five-fold ministry gifts. He gave us the five ministry gifts in the church. Why? It says He gave us those to equip His people for works of service. That's in the New International Version. In the King James Version of the Bible, whatever you use, do what, understand, what makes you understand it. And I use many different ones, and I chose the NIV here because I like the words that it, that it says to explain this passage. But in the King James Bible, I like this one phrase where it says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Because every one of us are ministers, because every one of us are called and we need to walk worthy of the calling, which is how he starts off this this chapter. But he says he gave us these five ministry gifts to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until, this is when we don't have to do it anymore, I want to ask you if you can see light at the end of the tunnel, okay? This is when we get to stop uh, building up the church, God's people, for the work of ministry. This is, this is when the job's over, okay? Um, we get to do it only until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Oh, okay, and that should happen any day now, right? Uh-uh. No, we're not even close. We are not even close to that moment where we reach unity in the faith and maturity as the body of Christ. See, it's not just about me being mature either. And you could argue whether or not that's happened because I would say it, it has not. Um, till we, I told you all to be loud, but I'm telling you, you don't have to be smart. Till we all come to the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the son of god and become mature let me submit this to you because some would say and we especially have seen this through covid and and the and i'm so so thankful that today we're broadcasting online and that there are people that are unable to be here today that are watching this and i'm so thankful for those that 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 may have to, have to be out. And I'm so thankful for, for those that are in other countries and that this message, that this gospel is being preached all over the world and literally on the other side of that camera all over the world. I'm so thankful for that. But unless you're sitting under the ministry consistently of the five ministry gifts, some would say, well, I just, I, I, get my, I get my Jesus on by just scrolling through Instagram, and I see the clips. I heard Stephen Furtick, pastor of Elevation Church, you may have seen him online. He's m- maybe one of the most well-known online uh, pastors that there is, but he also pastors a church, and Stephen Furtick said in an interview that watching his clips on Instagram is not going to give you spiritual maturity. He said, I'm not called to be a soundbite. I'm called to be a pastor. Now, I can say that I've watched clips of different ministers, and you know what, and we do them too, and it encourages me, and I'm glad that they're there, but unless you're sitting under the ministry of these five ministry gifts, then you will not reach spiritual maturity. You won't. He says he gave us the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be, so we're, we're called to serve. Amen? We're called to serve. And that's the job here is to equip you for works of service so that the body of Christ, this is why, so the body of Christ will be built up so that we can reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And unless you're doing that, unless you're fulfilling that, then you're not going to reach unity in the faith. Then you're not going to be mature. Then you're not going to have knowledge of the Son of God the way that God's intended it to be. He says, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ and then, then, once we reach the stage of the knowledge of the Son of God, once we reach maturity, once we reach unity, then you'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body Of him who is the head, and that is Christ. According to this passage right here, speaking the truth in love has one purpose. The purpose of speaking the truth in love is so that you grow into a place of maturity, so that you're equipped to do the service, so that you're ready to be a minister. And so if our message out there that we say we're speaking the truth in love, if that message is doing anything except uniting, if it's doing anything except giving the message of what Jesus has done for us, if it's doing anything except building maturity in the body, then you're not fulfilling the scripture. You're not speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love so that you may grow up into a mature body, so that we can grow up into a mature body. You know, right now, um, I I recently, so this week, and maybe you you saw it, but um, this week I, I announced that I will not be running for political office again. Um, and it was uh, that was a tough deal for me and it was really weird and, and it took a lot of people off guard because, um, because people like to write their own stories for you, um, I don't know if you've noticed that but um, but people like to write their own stories and um, so there were people that were just convinced that this you know that I had this plan or that plan or whatever and, and it was never the case so over the last several years and even this week, as I say, well, I'm focusing more of my, my attention on, on the church and this and that. As I, I make these announcements, then I start getting calls, well, you can be a voice for this and you can be a voice for that. I'm here to tell you one thing. I'm a voice for Jesus. I'm not a voice for an agenda. I'm a voice for Jesus. And we're not here to propagate an agenda that's outside of His. I'm here to point you to Jesus. And if I point you to Jesus, then all these other things, see, uh, the the, the positions that are on a ballot sheet or in a platform, those things are all the result of a worldview that if that worldview is not Jesus, they're going to be messed up. And if I'm being real today and not pulling any punches, I'm, I'm, I'm so saddened and so, so hurt as I've gone through this last 10 years and seen the inside of things that we've got so many they go out and tell you that they believe in faith and they're going to stand for this and stand for that and I don't know the last time that they went to a church am I saying that they don't love God I am absolutely not saying that they don't love God but they're not plugged into a body They're not plugged into a church. They're not sitting under the ministry of an apostle, of a prophet, of an evangelist, of a pastor, of a teacher. How can they bring unity? We have division in our country, and it's not one party or the other party or whoever you're involved in. The division in our country is because we're not serious about God. We've got to come to unity. We've got to start speaking the truth in love. And speaking the truth in love doesn't mean that I'm just going to tell you like it is. How do you know what's true and what's not true? I mean, let's be real. How do you know? I know that you think whatever news source that you turn on or scroll to on your phone is the true one. I know that you think that. But how do you know what's true and what's not? We're being manipulated every single day. I know one thing that's true. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen? I know one thing that's true. And so I don't have to sift through whether this article on the vaccine or that article on the vaccine or this article on masks or that article on masks or what's happening in Afghanistan or I don't have to sift through and try to figure out what's true and what's not true so that I can have a platform. I already have a platform. My platform is to preach the good news that Jesus Christ has come to save you. Jesus Christ has come to heal you. Jesus Christ has come to restore you, to put back together the broken pieces and I'm so excited today that I have the spirit of truth that lives in me. If I want to speak the truth I speak Jesus. He gave me the Holy Spirit to live inside of me that's the spirit of truth. And the Bible says that he will show me things to come. What do I want you to do? What do I want you to do when it comes time to go and to vote? I want you to ask him. I want you to ask him. What do I want you to do when it's time to make decisions for your family? I want you to ask him. I don't want you to ask the opinion of somebody on Facebook. I've had so many people that have come and they've asked me, Pastor Jason, what should I do about this? What should I do about that? You should pray and ask God. You should pray and ask God because He knows the end from the beginning. Because He formed you when you were in your mother's womb. Because He knows all the things that are going to happen today. He knows all the things that are happening. What about this? What are the things that God has spared you from that you don't even know about? He knows about it. Because He knows everything there is to know about our well-being. Let's ask Him to lead us and to guide us. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head, Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That means you. We're held together by every supporting ligament. Grow up and builds itself up in love, as does each part as each part does its work. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John 4, verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, but he who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. See, the only reason we know how to love is because of God. Because He loved us first. We can't know love outside of God. We can have a shallow form of love. We can have a feeling that is love. But we can't really know love outside of God because he is love. It says here, Herein is love, it's not that, that we love God, it's that God loved us, and that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. I would argue that what he's saying here is you ought to love one another in the same way that I've loved you. I'll never forget the day about 15 years ago that I asked God I I was right up here and I asked God to show me to love the way that He loves and since then my thinking has changed God show me to love the way that you love grace has increased as I learn As I grow, are there some times where I operate outside of what I know to be true? Yeah. Yeah. But it's fewer and farther between as I learn what love means. As I recognize how much I've been loved. As I see love around me. How do I respond to people? People say... Well, in some of these things, you're so level-headed. It's not, it's not me. If you if you knew me, know me, I'm not really that level-headed. I'm just trying to get to know Jesus more. Sometimes I fly off the handle about stuff. I know this may be a shock to some of you, but but I tend to overreact sometimes. But Jesus in me causes me to be long suffering right because love is patient because love is kind how do i speak the truth in love i'm speaking only through a jesus filter and so what is this going to do? How is, is, is the person that I'm getting ready to tell this, how are they going to respond to this? Because if I'm operating out of what my personal opinions are and I begin to speak and I say, oh, I'm just speaking the truth in love, then how are you responding? And if it drives a wedge, if it pushes you away, if it does anything but promote unity in you, it is not speaking the words of God. Speaking the truth in love. It goes on. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and that He sent His Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, my dear friends. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. This is how the world sees God, is how we love one another. It breaks my heart to see what what some people do representing my God, because that's not a reputation of my God. That is not a true representation of who God is. Speaking the truth in love. This chapter closes this thought in verse 18 by saying, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I'm going to read that again. That's so good. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment isn't that what we did in the church for a lot of years punishment God's going to punish you if you're sick, it's because if you, if you're sick, it's because you didn't have something right in your life, and and God is punishing you, or 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 if you're having trouble in your relationships, or you're having trouble in your finances, or then it's because you're not doing something right, and 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 God is bringing judgment on you, or or if you don't take communion in a worthy manner, and pastors talked about this so many times that that I, and and even as I was growing up, because we didn't know any different, and we didn't have this revelation, if you didn't partake of this and make sure that you were clean in your life. I just spilt that everywhere. Make sure that you are clean in your life and all that you're, then you're partaking of this in an unworthy manner and the judgment of God is gonna come on you and we were scared to death and what if I was committing a sin and the rapture happened just then Then I'm gonna go to hell because I'm separating myself from God. That is not the message of a loving God because there is no fear in love. Amen? Amen. Praise God. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. The one who fears is not made perfected in love. Church, we're spending a lot of our time propagating fear in the name of love. If you do this or you do that, then these consequences are going to come on you. Stop. We spend so much time. Guys, we've been deceived. We've been deceived. Make it simple. Speak hope. Preach Jesus and love always. Speak hope. Preach Jesus. Love always. Let's make it simple. I know you're full of opinions. Believe me, I know that you're full of opinions. I am too. We've all got them. Let's make it simple. There are situations, circumstances, once you gain trust, this is what I found. Once you live according to love, then you earn the respect and the trust of someone and you're able to have healthy conversation about ideas and thoughts. And you know what happens then? Maybe maybe you can grow by having a, a conversation with somebody that doesn't agree with you. I have but you've got to earn that respect, you've got to earn that trust. I told this story before. So several months ago, I had a conversation with a guy who sees the world way differently than me. Way differently. We don't agree on very much when it comes to political things or things like that. And We were sitting in a a meeting, and after the meeting, we were still just talking. And he asked me, well, what do you think about this? And I said, I don't know that you want to have this conversation. And he said, no, I do, because I really want to know. But we have a relationship. And I don't really care what his personal opinions are about things. I respect him, and I call him friend. And so we begin to have a conversation. And as we had this conversation, he began to see my point of view on things, and I began to see his point of view on things. Now, I can say that when I walked away from that conversation, I still don't agree with him. And he still doesn't agree with me. But I understand where he's coming from now, and I never did before. I learned things about him that I didn't know that have shaped his worldview. It helped me to love him even more than I did before. It helped me to pray for him, not to pray that his mind changes, but to pray for him as a friend. Because there's a respect there, because there's a trust there that has been built over time. And God gives you those opportunities and He opens up those doors, but you come with humility. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, to touch on this super quick, it says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren, who accused them before God night and day, has been cast out. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. There are many in our Christian circles that have taken up the voice of the accuser rather than taken up the voice of the Redeemer. We're accusing our brethren of all kinds of things because of their ideals and their concepts and their, their worldviews, views and, and we come out pointing the finger. Instead of saying, can I, can I understand and can we learn to know Jesus together? So, the question would be as we see things that are contrary to the scripture because there are some things in the scripture that the Bible is very black and white about and so as we come to those things I know that there are some churches that you may go to that just focuses on those things all the time on on the things that, that the Bible says are wrong and the things that 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 we need to to do in in, in accordance to live as a Christian. And so what's our response to this? Are we watering down the gospel? And and that's a criticism that I've heard that we're just watering down the gospel. and, And my argument, number one, would be that for years we've tried to tell people as the church how to live and they still live the way that they want. But if we will show you to have a relationship with Jesus and Jesus is, is burned into your heart and you develop a love for him because you learn how much he loves you, then you and Jesus work all that stuff out. That doesn't have to be me. That's a lot of pressure on me and I got my own self to worry about too because I'm kind of jacked up on a lot of days. And so I'm going to worry about me and you worry about you And I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to preach Jesus. And if I stand up here and I preach Jesus, then I pray that a love for Jesus like you've never had before is birthed in you. I pray that the passion to know Him burns hot in you. I pray that we can come to the unity of the faith. I pray that we can grow up into a perfect body of Christ. So I speak the truth in love. The scripture says, as you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So how do we deal when we see behaviors, when we see ideals that are contrary to what we know in the Scripture. Number one, and I want you to write this down because I want you to live by these. How do we deal with these things? See, you don't have to blast it all over social media. You don't have to confront people. You don't have to alienate yourself. How do you deal with it? Number one, what did Paul say in the very beginning of Ephesians chapter four? Always be humble and gentle. Number one, humility and gentleness. We come about it with humility and gentleness. See, here's the thing. Maybe I see an idea or a thought or a behavior in you that's contrary to what I know the scripture says. Nine times out of ten, the reason I see that so clearly is because I once had that And so I can see it in you because I saw it in me, and God showed me and he began to change me. But here's the thing I'm not perfect either. And so there's a behavior in me that maybe somebody else sees because God's helped them through it. Because God's changed them. We come with humility. I want to have relationship. I want to have trust so we can sit down and we can talk about things. We can be honest and open with one another. What do I do? If I don't have relationship, I don't have a right to go and try and adjust your attitude. (laughs) Right? I don't have a relationship. I haven't earned that right in your life. But I'd like to try and earn it. How many people do you have on your Instagram likes? How many people follow you and your friends, your, your friends with on Facebook? Have you earned that ride in all of their lives? Huh. Some of you don't even know who are. Right? So why do we think we can speak into their life? Come with humility and gentleness. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, to guide you. How many times have you typed something and erased it and typed it and erased it? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Number three, always, 100% of the time, point to Jesus. How do you deal with behaviors and ideals that you see contrary to the scripture, approach with humility and gentleness? Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in that situation. And number three, always, always, always point to Jesus. Always. Sometimes you just need to step out. I want to tell a story, and, I, and I'm not going to use specifics in this situation. There's a, um, a politician in New Mexico that I know kind of, I don't know super well, but I saw some things that, that he was posting during a political campaign that was contrary to, to who I believed that he is. And so I sent him a private message, and it took a lot. I labored over it, but I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to do this And so I sent him a private message. First of all, I did not put him on blast in front of everyone, and I did not comment an ugly thing on his post. But I sent him a private message, and I said, Look, I hesitated even to do this. But as someone I know to be a follower of Christ, I don't think that this message is following what you know to be true in God. And I'm not saying that as I'm on a high horse or something like that. But I really believe that I was supposed to send this to you. And I said, you don't even, I, I said this in the message, you don't even have to respond to me. I understand if you don't respond, and I, I will n- never bring this up again. But I want you to know this. And I told him, I'm praying for you. And he responded back, and it was very favorable, and we've had a very good relationship since then. The post that he had made that was in question, he took it down. But if I would have just put him on blast, not approached it with humility, not be led by the Holy Spirit, would have never had the opportunity to speak into somebody's life, because we're trying to make allowances for faults, right? We're trying to, to promote unity, right? We're trying to, to lead with peace, right? This is how Paul did it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but it was the demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith would not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, Paul, he said, I have a lot of opinions, but I'm not going to come with my opinions. I'm just going to come with Jesus and if I come with Jesus, and then I just let God do the work, then you're going to grow. That's my prayer. If you've noticed, when I pray, before I speak, that's my prayer. Because it's not about what I say. It's about the Holy Spirit revealing it to you. You could sit in here and listen to what I say and it could do nothing for you, but if the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you in a way that shows you something in your life that causes you to rise up, that encourages you, that causes you to adjust, if those things are happening in your life, then I have been successful at what God's called me to do, and that's point to Him. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and we're going to go to part two of the message. You're like... Man, you're out of time. I know. This one's just a little longer than the first one. Again. I'm going to take a moment. You can leave the lights up. I'm going to take a moment today and next week, and we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to shift gears just a little bit here, because I believe that sometimes... <laughs> We don't even know how to speak the truth in love. And part two of my struggle with this message was I knew I was supposed to do this. How do I do it? What do I need to do to speak the truth in love in a clear way? And so as they get going today, I'm going to pray. I don't want you to check out it's still part of the message this isn't prayer time this isn't like the time where you just where the lights go out and you bow your head and you take a little nap this isn't this isn't that father god i pray today that as we speak that as the word goes out of god that you fill my mouth with your power that your anointing rest on me i thank you for this opportunity that i have to speak your words, your truth. I don't take it lightly. And so God, once again today, I pray that my speaking and my preaching not be of words of man's wisdom, but they be with the demonstration of the spirit and the power that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of man, but it stands in the power of God. In Jesus' name, everybody say it with me. Amen. I don't want you to check out today because we're going to speak some truth in love. See, the way this whole message started about Jesus is way back when the world began. Because God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says that the world was without form and it was void and darkness was over the face of the deep. But God came down and he spoke into the darkness and he said, Let there be light. Because the thing is that God is light, and without Him, there is darkness. But with Him, there is zero darkness. There is no darkness. And I know that that resonates with some people both in this room and on the other side of that camera today, because you look at things around you, and you see darkness everywhere. But God spoke into the darkness, and He said, let there be light, no more darkness. And so I believe today that this message, this message of truth, this message of love is lighting up the darkness in your life. Amen? And so God created the earth, and then he created man, which was his most prized possession. And he formed man out of the dust of the earth. See, we were formed out of this earth. And he breathed life into us. And as he breathed life into us, then man began to live and man began to breathe. And we were literally out of God because he breathed his life into us. And he formed us out of the dust of this earth. And then after we were formed and after we were made, he gave us dominion in this earth. He said, you are to rule. You are to subdue the earth because we were made from it. And there was light. See, but the enemy came. Just like the enemy comes to you and the enemy comes to me, the enemy came to Adam, the first man, and he began to tempt, and he tempted Adam, and he tempted Eve, and they gave in to that temptation, and sin entered the world. And sin is just simply a separation between you and God. And so it drove a wedge between God and man. And the moment that that wedge was formed, then sin began to rule in mankind. In fact, the scripture tells us in Romans that all have sinned, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also says that the price or the wages of sin is death. So that the only way that we deal with sin is death. It caused death in our life. It caused a cycle of death. In your relationships, and in your body, and in your finances, in your mind, sin has caused a a cycle of death in you, just like it did with Adam. And it was passed down from generation to generation to generation through Adam until an angel came to a woman named Mary. And this angel said, You're gonna have a son, and you're gonna name him Jesus. And he's gonna save God's people. So Jesus was born, conceived by the Holy Spirit, did not have the seed of a man, and was born without sin. The first person since Adam. Jesus went through this life, and he never sinned. No one else can make that claim. And then Jesus said, I accept the mission and I'm going to die or sacrifice so that I pay the price that everybody has to pay for sin because I don't have to pay the price for my own sin because I don't have any. And so I'm going to take on yours and I'm going to take on the one for future generations. And I'm going to die. See, in the Old Testament, when somebody would sin, and when I talk about the Old Testament, I'm talking about this is pre-Jesus, before Jesus was born. In the Old Testament, if you sinned, you had to sacrifice a lamb, and all that the blood of the lamb did was cover up your sin so that you could approach God. And then when you sinned again, you had to sacrifice another lamb, and you sinned again, and you have to go sacrifice another lamb. But when Jesus came, the Bible calls him the Lamb of God. See, what the physical Lamb couldn't do, Jesus did forever because he washed away our sins with his blood. And the truth is today that without Jesus, you're lost in your sin. The truth is today that without Jesus, you're broken and you're never going to recover. But the gift of God that he's given to every single one of us today is life. It's life through him. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God except through me. Some would say, man, well, he's just trying to be exclusive here. Jesus was not trying to be exclusive. He was being specific. This is the only way that you can get there. I don't want to lead you on and say that you may get there if you're good enough, that you may get there. The truth is that you will not get there no matter how good you are. No matter how much you try to attain your right standing with God, you cannot and will not ever get there. But Jesus said, I have given you away, and I'm knocking on the door of your heart. All I need you to do is answer. All I need you to do is answer. I think the scripture says it best in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. That's where we'll start. It says, and he made you alive who were dead in your trespasses and your sins in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we also once conducted ourselves according to the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of our flesh and of our mind. We were by nature children of wrath See, this is you. This is me. We're lost. We were hopeless. Then it says, but God. Those two words right there flipped the script and and, and changed everything. It says, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy. That word mercy. Mercy just means not getting what you deserved. If you've ever played mercy as a kid, you know you lock hands with somebody and then you try to break their wrist, right? Or whatever. And so you're playing mercy and you challenge this person to mercy and they're twisting your hand and it's gut-wrenching, but you don't want to cry out because you don't want to be a sissy, right? Maybe it was just a guy thing, I don't know. But eventually, you say, mercy, have mercy on me, and they let go. Have mercy on me. See, the thing about it is that we go through this life without Jesus, and it's gut-wrenching. Sometimes we're hopeless. Sometimes we have nowhere to turn. And we cry out to him, and you say, I can't take it anymore. I need mercy. And he says, I'm rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he has for us, even when we were dead in trespasses. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He raised us up together. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. For by grace, see the difference in mercy and grace is mercy is not getting what you deserved. Grace is getting something that you didn't deserve. See, mercy makes a way even though you sinned and you deserve death. Grace gives you healing even though you gave nothing in return to deserve healing. It gives you hope even though your sin left you hopeless. Grace, God's favor that's on us, it's by grace. Not because you did anything, it's by grace. Grace that you've been saved. Through faith, not of you. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone would boast. You can't say that you did anything to attain your salvation. I don't care how good you've been, but I also don't care how bad you've been. We're all in the same boat. But God, who is rich in mercy, has saved you by His grace, and Jesus is knocking, and all you have to do is answer the door. I know that you've been broken, but I want to introduce you to the one who restores. I know that you're hurting, but I want to introduce you to a healer. I know that you're trapped but I want to introduce you to a chain breaker. I know that you can't see an escape, but I want to introduce you to a way maker. I know that you're anxious, but He is your peace. I know that you're depressed, but He is your joy. I know that you're weak, but He is your strength. I know that you're without hope, but the Bible tells us that when we were without hope, that God brought us, to his side through Christ he's come to you He searched for you he gave all for you and he's standing at the door of your heart right now and he's knocking will you open the door it's time to open the door if you don't know Jesus today I want you to open the door need him. And that's really the requirement for you to say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And I believe that you came to save me. And so whether you're in this room or you're on the other side of the camera and you need Jesus today and you've never received him into your life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I'm gonna say a prayer in just a minute. When I do, I want you to repeat it after me, and actually, I'm gonna ask everyone to repeat it after me. Because I believe that no one should pray alone, but we join together as family. So if you've never received Jesus, then pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life because I need you, because I can't do it on my own. I thank you that in spite of the things that I've done, that you love me. Come into my life.